Out of all the personal development and business books that I've read over the years, there are only two that I reread every single year consistently. And one of those is The 4-Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss. And this is a book that's been out for a long time. It was originally published in 2007. That was 14 years ago, my friend. And this was one of the first books that I actually reviewed on this channel about three years ago because people seem to love and hate this book. Now, it is a wildly successful book. It has sold so many copies, it's ridiculous. And it's been on the number one New York Times bestseller list for a long, long time. The question is though, 14, 15 years later, how relevant is this book? Is it outdated? Is it just a book that has sold a lot of copies and has a great catchy title, but it has old material that's not really relevant to us anymore? Or is it still as relevant as ever? Well, I read it every year. So if anyone could tell you, it'd probably be me. And so today what I want to do is unpack what are some of the outdated things in the book that we need to address. But then I want to share with you four things that are more relevant than ever before. I would argue more relevant than they were when this book was first published in 2007. Let's discuss. Welcome to episode 133 of The Graham Cochran Show, where I'm here to help you build your online business, work less, and live and give more. I'm your host, Graham Cochran. Pumped to hang out with you today. I hope you're doing well. I want to help you in this episode think differently about your business. If you've never read The 4-Hour Workweek, maybe this will inspire you to read it. I think everybody should read it. Uh, but one of the things the book talks a lot about is passive income. That's something I talk a lot about on this channel. It's what I've built my life around, a couple of passive income businesses. It's what I teach my students to do every single week. And so I want to give you a head start on that by giving you the keys to my passive income workshop. I want you to be able to watch this. It's an on-demand training that's 100% free. Just go to grahamcochran.com slash workshop. And what you're going to do is get about a 45-minute training on how to create your first $1,000 a month of passive income in just 30 minutes a day. Yeah, exactly. You're probably busy if you're like most people. And so if you're starting to think about passive income, you don't have all the hours in the day to work on this. Realistically, if you have at least 30 minutes a day, that's about three hours a week to chip away at this, you can build your first $1,000 a month of passive income. I share you with you the four elements that you need to create passive income, how to make them work, scripts and templates you can copy and implement, the tools that I'm using, both paid and free, and the strategy of how to figure out what your profitable idea will be, what you could build to sell, who you're going to sell to, how to find those people, all of those questions answered in this workshop, and it's free. Go watch it, and then better yet, take action on it. Just go to grahamcochran.com slash workshop, or click the link below if you're watching this video on YouTube. Okay, let's talk four-hour work week. If you're watching on YouTube, the book's right there on my shelf. Uh... Like I said at the top of this show, there's two books that I read every single year in the business category. The second is The Go-Giver. If you've listened to me long enough, you know I love that book as well. Two very different books. They complement each other well, I think. But The 4-Hour Workweek is one of those books that's just got a great name. And as you read in the book, Tim Ferriss split-tested 
that name uh, with other names. He would run ads to see which would get clicked on the most and just literally not leave it up to chance. So it's genius, but it's a great book title, great book cover, great good. It's a great subtitle. I think escape the nine to five, uh, join the new rich and live anywhere, something like that. Uh, it's just perfectly crafted. And that's probably the reason why it started to sell. And then it just had this cult following uh, and it just blew up. And it really propelled Tim Ferriss into the spotlight. His podcast became massive. He's released a few other books since then. He's done some great stuff. Um, whether or not you like Tim Ferriss or the book, the book has had a lot of success, but it's also had a lot of impact on a lot of people. It's more influential than you think. Uh, it's really impacted the way I think about things in business a lot. I, I've, I say this in my original interview, or excuse me, my original review of the book, um, in that I don't land exactly where Tim Ferriss lands. He and I don't have the same why. We don't have the same worldview. So that's going to be a huge difference in terms of why does he want to work only four hours a week? And why do I only want to work four hours a week? Two different whys. That's okay though. The principles, the methods, and some of the questions he asks and some of the things he pushes in on, I think are really, really healthy. But the question is, is this book outdated though? Like, yeah, Graham, you talk about it. Other people talk about it. It's over 14 years old, okay? Uh, it was published in 2007. He was writing it long before that. So let me talk about two massive things. There are a lot of things that are out of date, websites, some tools, uh, inside jokes that aren't funny anymore because they, they don't make any sense anymore. But no, that happens with almost any book when there's they're pointing to real resources, right? You're taking the, the risk that things will go out of date. The two big things though that are missing in the book, number one, there is no mention of social media. And maybe there's a slight hint at some social media, but you gotta understand this book was written in 2006. Facebook had just been out a couple of years Twitter was maybe out. Quote me on the year Twitter dropped. It might've just come out. YouTube, at the time of him writing this, it was in its first year. YouTube came out in 2005. Uh, it's not really a social media platform, but I mean, you got to understand this was, this was the end. He was writing this at the end of an era that was closing right before the beginning of the social media era. So there was no mention of social media as a time waster. In fact, the number one time waster that he talks about in the book is email, is your inbox, which I would argue is still just as much of a time waster for people, especially if you're a business owner, especially if you're an online business owner. How many hours a day are you in your inbox taking care of things? Oh, probably a lot. That's a huge time suck. But that is positioned as, as the, the enemy, is the inbox in terms of it taking up your time that's keeping you from living your best life and doing certain things. But he doesn't even mentioned social media because it hadn't really dropped yet, not in the, the level that we experience it today. So he had no clue back then just how much of a time suck Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, TikTok, all of this would become. How many hours a day are we losing to these platforms that aren't enhancing our quality of life? They aren't pushing our businesses forward. They aren't paying us to be on these platforms, most of us. And they're probably messing up our like self-worth and self-esteem in a lot of weird ways. Oh my gosh, so much that he would attack if he wrote this book today uh, just wasn't mentioned. So 
I would argue that it is only a busier world than it was when he wrote this book. And there's even more things to suck up your time than there were back then. But no mention of social media, so that's out of date. Number two, there's no mention of smartphones other than Blackberries. He talks about Blackberries. If you're old enough to know what a Blackberry is, that was the original, they called them Crackberries, right? That brand of smartphone, um, it had a keypad, everything. That was like the original you get email on your phone. You can get some internet updates. Like people were addicted to these things because it was the precursor to the modern day smartphone. He wrote this in 2006, an entire year before the iPhone was debuted. If you remember, Steve Jobs introduced the iPhone in January of 2007. It came out later that year, the summer of 2007, and only people who were with AT&T could buy it, at least in the US. It was exclusive to AT&T for the longest time. So this is a book written about people's you know, soul-sucking lives and technology you know, taking away their lives, and the iPhone didn't even exist. So it's, if anything, yeah, those are two massive things missing, social media and smartphones in the book. But if anything, it only makes his case stronger if the book were written today because those two things and them in combination, social media on your smartphone, ruining the freaking planet, okay? So much of, of people's lives would be better if those two things didn't exist. And so many things would be worse also. I get that. That's the mixed bag we get with social media and smartphones, Less so social media, more so smartphones. Smartphones are more helpful than social media. But my point is, if he wrote this book today, he would have a lot of snarky things to say about both. But let's move into what I think is more helpful to you, uh, whether you read the book or not, what can we learn from this? There are four things in keeping with the theme of the four-hour work week. There are four things that I think are more relevant than ever. And let me just put this out there before we jump into these four things that have not changed. I think actually are even more timely today than they were in 2006 when he was writing this and 2007 when it was first published. But let me, before we get into that, let me just put this out there. I mention this as often as I can when it's relevant and I try not to brag about this, but I am living proof that the four hour work week is a reality. And the business model that I teach you, the passive income workshop that I talked about at the top of the show, is, is exactly what he's talking about. Now, Tim has different ways of, of reaching that goal in the book, but it's not a fantasy. It's my actual real life. When I got the recording revolution down to about four hours a week, I started this business. This business is, uh, it's like my pet project, but now it's become my main thing. I could just let it roll and it would probably be about three to four hours a week. But I started to do a little bit more content. I'm doing my live with Grams on Wednesday. I started a mastermind where I'm meeting with students every single week. These are things I wanted to do. So now I'm maybe working eight hours a week in the office for this business by choice. If I wanted to, I could ramp it down to four and I wouldn't lose much income. And so I'm living proof that the four-hour work week is a reality. I think it's more of a reality today than it was in 2007 when this book was published. So yes, it's 100% true and 100% possible. It's not hyperbably, hyper, hyperbole. <laughs> and if you want to know a funny story, go watch my review of it, of uh, how, when I first bought the book, what I thought of it and what I did with the book uh, back in 2007. 
funny story. But let's talk about four things that I think are more relevant than ever in this book. Number one, and this is probably one of the most powerful things of the book, is the section on defining what you actually want in your life. The whole first section of the book is called define. Before he talks about working less, before he talks about time hacking, before he talks about world travel, any of that stuff, he talks about defining what you want in life. And I'll give you a hint. For most of us, and really for all of us, if we're honest, it's not more money. Money is meaningless. Money only has meaning in that it's a value exchange or an exchange of value that can get us something else, right? I was reading an article where somebody was saying, if you were on a deserted island, desert island, all by yourself, like Castaway, Remember Tom Hanks in the movie Castaway? You're Tom Hanks. You wash up on this beach and it's just you and Wilson, the volleyball. No one else, nothing else, no technology, no food, no nothing, but you have $10 million on you. What good is that going to do for you? Zero good. $10 million and no one to exchange it for value with is meaningless. It just proves that money is meaningless. It's a means to an end. It's what money can get you. So, we're all either working a job we hate to make money because we think we need it or make lots of money. Or if we've jumped into the business space, I see the same problem with online business owners who love their business, by the way, love the work they do, but they work way too much because they want just a little bit more money. They want a little bit more money. Or they want a little bit more accolades, a few more views on their videos, a few more sales to feel good about themselves, a bigger launch so they can feel like they cracked that. Oh, I got a six-figure launch. Or I want to make $500,000 this year because I would feel good about myself. Or I want to make a million dollars this year because it's just like a, and again, these are, none of these are bad goals. Don't mishear me. But only you can judge your heart of whether this is a healthy desire or this is your obsessive and you really could be content but you are just working more because you haven't accurately defined what you want in life. Do you really want a million dollar a year business? Or is there something behind that that you want? What is it that you actually want? Is it to spend more time with your family? And what did that even look like? Like, what would you do if you had more time with your family? What would you do? Would you take your kids to school? Would you be able to help them with their homework in the afternoons? Would you have family dinners together? Would you travel more with your family and create more memories before they grow up? Is it you just want to sleep in and you don't want to have to start work till 10? And that's what you think you'll do once you're a millionaire? You don't have to be a millionaire to sleep in. <laughs> um, like, what is it you actually want? That's one of the strengths of the four-hour work week is long before he gets into any of the tactics. He asks you some really hard questions that most people don't ask. Most people assume we all want more money, more success, more accolades, and I'm going to show you how to get all three of those. Tim's one of the only people that's honest to say, what do you really want in life? And most of us don't even know. We've just been conditioned to want what people tell us to want. We don't even really know. So I think his section on defining what you want, what you really want out of life is more relevant than ever. A lot of my students start out with good intentions and they want to build something good. And then it's very easy to fall into the trap. And I do too. So I don't want to blame just my students. I'm saying I do too, where you are literally just 
growing the business for the sake of growing it. Like you don't know what you want anymore. You don't even know who you are anymore. You just know that you're good at this thing. I guess I should make more money than I made last year. I guess I should try to get more views on my videos than I did last year, blah, blah, blah. It'd be a great exercise for you to go through that first part of the book and define what you really want in life. The second thing that's more relevant than ever is automation and removing yourself as the bottleneck of your business. Tim's business at the time of writing the four-hour work week was a health supplement company, okay? Nutrition, health, fitness, that kind of stuff. It was a physical product. He wasn't selling stuff online. He wasn't selling digital products. So he talks about having to outsource a lot of the work, delegate a lot of the work. You and I can eliminate a lot of it for one, but we can automate a lot through online tools. But what I love about Tim Ferriss is that he pushes us to say, hey, you don't just want a business or an income stream, especially if it requires a lot of your time. You want to create something that doesn't require you or requires very little of you. Like success would be removing yourself as being the linchpin of your business and creating a business that's much more automated. Michael McCallowitz talks about this in his book, Clockwork. Uh, Robert Kiyosaki talks about this in not only Rich Dad, Poor Dad, but his follow-up book, Cashflow Quadrant, where he's got the four quadrants. And I've talked about this on the channel before, where you've got the, you know, the employee, the E, but then you've got the S, the self-employed person, which a lot of us are. And it's, their life is no different than the employee or the E. You're still working a ton. If you left your business, it would fall apart. He's trying to get people who are in the S quadrant to move over to the B quadrant, which he calls business owner, where you actually own a business that can run without you. You could leave the business for a year, come back and find that it's working just fine or that it's actually grown without you. And I think a hybrid between B and E quadrants, this is this would be a sweet spot for us online business owners where we can pop in and out for like an hour a day. If you can pop in for an hour a day, Monday through Friday, that's five hours a week and it run, you're great. Or you work one half day a week or one full day and it's printing money. That's, that's a beautiful thing. So automating your business. I think this is one of the strengths, again, of the book is it's very elegant in what Tim's talking about of moving the goalposts of like traditionally businesses want to just make more revenue. It's all about the top line or really the bottom line profit, um, increased profit every single year so that if you're a sole proprietor or so, you know, a solo business owner, you have more money to spend on yourself or reach your financial goals. Again, assuming money is your ultimate goal, but that's what for most people it is. Or two, it's your exit strategy. Increase the valuation of the company so I can sell it, cash out. And then it's the same thing. I no longer have the business, but now I've got millions of dollars because I sold it to Facebook or Meta or whomever, right? Like that's, they're both the same thing. Just push and push and push, grow the business. Only metric is profit or revenue or whatever market share so that I can cash out, make more money. And he challenges all that and says like, what if the goal of your business would be to create a, an income stream that bothers you as little as possible? That doesn't require you. Nobody's talking about that. That's just, that's a wonderful concept that I think is more relevant than ever today because I see people working harder than ever. This is crazy, but during the pandemic, when people got the ability to work from home, not everybody got that opportunity, I understand, but even employees, employees that got the ability to work from home found themselves on average through surveys and studies that we're seeing working more. So they got to work from home and guess what? They're working more hours than they worked when they're in the office. No commute and they're still working more hours. 
working on weekends more than ever, data shows us. How depressing is that? Because that's the, that's the natural condition. Without somebody like Tim or anybody, I try to be this voice as well, without somebody else showing us a different goalpost, a different measuring stick, a different thing to chase after, uh, we're going to just chase after working more and making more because that's, that's all we're good at. We're machines. I don't want to live like that. I don't think you want to either. So I think all of his content in the book about automation, removing yourself as the bottleneck of your business is more relevant today than ever before. He's got one chapter that I think is more relevant than almost any of his other chapters today. And it's about collecting selective, cultivating selective ignorance through a low information diet. Can I get an amen that the last 18 months it would have been very, very beneficial to go on a low information diet. You actually might disagree with me. I got some people in, in my world that I know that would say you should have consume as much information, the news, everything, and be super informed. I don't know. I, I, I am informed. I do read the news. I have a physical newspaper and that's even more news than I, I want, but I don't want to scroll. I don't want to like refresh as if something just happened right now because I'm sure something did happen, but most of the time it's it's not real news. It's just random opinion pieces. Um, but if there ever were a time in history where cultivating selective ignorance and going on a low information diet, cutting out most news, if not all news, or even books, social media, if we could just cut all that out, how much more productive would we be? And how much happier would we be? Do you know how many people are depressed because they just read about all the violence and hatred in the world? They just continue to read about coronavirus stats and like the 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 anger and the tension in our country here in the US. Like if you just absorb that all the time, you know how much anxiety that produces? You know how awful your sleep is gonna be? You know how it clouds your worldview? You're gonna become a, a paranoid, uh, like, skeptical and not in a good way person, just bitter against the world because you're feeding yourself negativity. Now, I don't believe that you should live in a bubble completely where you just make up what some people call toxic positivity and pretend like everything's okay. I don't think that's healthy either. What I do think is healthy is being very careful what you consume and be very careful about wanting to be informed and then opening the floodgates to just too much awareness of the world. I don't think we were designed as human beings to be aware of all things at all times around the world. Historically speaking, humans interacted with anywhere between 10 to 100 to 200 people, max, in terms of their whole lifetime, interacting with what is it like 250 people when they study like villages and, and people's families, like we weren't designed to know about tens of thousands of people and all the stuff all around the world. And, you know, I'm not even going to get into how we are a news coverage is selective news coverage on what the news determines is important to talk about, ignoring so much of the other heartache and uh, evil happening all around the globe that it just because I live in America, they're just not going to show it to us because they want to show certain other narratives. There's just, it's already selective as, as it is, and it's too much. It's too much. So I think one of the beauties of the book and one of the gems of the four hour work week is an entire chapter on having a low information diet. And there's this great quote uh, at the top of his chapter. It's a, I'm blanking on the name right now. It's not him, it's a Nobel Prize winner, but how 
What information consumes, the quote says, is very obvious. It consumes attention. Hence, a wealth of information creates a poverty of attention. So the more information you consume, and again, this was written before social media, so it's even more relevant. If you're constantly scrolling on social, if you're constantly watching YouTube videos, if you crush everybody's podcast, and I'm including myself in this, if all you do is consume information, whether it's educational, personal development, or the news, or people's social feeds, or stories, or any of that stuff, or TikTok, all you're doing is creating a poverty of attention. You have no attention now to pay towards your work, your goals, your customers, your students, your family, your health, none of it. So you're gonna feel freaking exhausted and you're going to feel like you're on the edge of burnout and you have nothing left to give because you gave it all to the information you consumed. There's a very real connection there that I think is just brilliant how we, Tim talks about it. So if you want to do massive output in your life in a minimum amount of time, you have to choose to go on a low information diet, cut out the fat, trim the fat in your information diet and eat as little as possible. Yeah, I think it's more relevant today than ever. And you can do this in seasons if you want as well. Sometimes when I'm working on a big project, I'll really cut out information. Um, so you can do this seasonally when you have a big project but you probably would benefit from just doing it in one way, shape, or form permanently. And then the fourth and final thing in the book that I think is more relevant today than ever, and this is interestingly enough, the part of the book that nobody reads or everybody skips, uh, and it's his emphasis on working less so that you can live more. Everybody that I hear writing the critical reviews of the four-hour work week are telling me, oh, I hate that book. Part of it could just be the tone of his voice. It might read pretty arrogant, and maybe it was. It doesn't bother me. Maybe men relate to it better than women. I don't know. So it, it, his tone, it's not a tone I would use, but I'm not him. It doesn't bother me. I kind of love it. I love the confidence, um, and I can take what I need to from it. But there's a chapter at the end of the book. It's the last official chapter called Filling the Void, and it's a chapter most people skip. And it's funny because in the chapter, he says like most people skip this chapter and they really shouldn't. So people pick the book apart and say, "Is he's just lazy. He's trying to create people who are lazy, who just want to sit around on the beach and do nothing, get paid for it, blah, blah, blah. Those people don't understand or they didn't read his book because the entire thrust of the book is everything has a means to an end. Working less is not the end. It is a means to an end. And that end in his mind is to, live more. So what does life look, what are the things you want to do that you are prohibited from doing? Is it world travel? Is it learning a second language? Is it spending more time with your kids? Like, is it writing that book you've always wanted to write? Is it spending more time outdoors? Cause that's the kind of person you are, but you have this corporate job. He's trying to challenge what we value, money, the nice car, accolades, success, get you to define what you truly want at the beginning of the book, then show you a path to automate, work less, challenge the way you manage your time, right? So that you can live more. And that's gonna look different for everybody. There's a reason why the tagline of this show is where I wanna help you build your online business, work less and live and give more. I believe, much like Tim Ferriss does, that most of what you and I spend our time doing 
or spend our time doing during the day is a complete waste. It's inefficient. It's what he calls work for work's sake. And if you're honest with yourself, you waste time on your phone looking at stupid stuff. Just track your screen time, look at what it is, and then hang your head in shame. It's it's depressing. I'll lump myself in that category. Just, I don't know, where did the time go? What am I doing? So if we feel like there's not enough time in the day or we're just slaving away at our business, it's our own fault. It's our own fault. To run an online business these days does not require 40 hours a week. It certainly doesn't require 60. It should require 20 hours or less. And you can easily make six figures on it. Now, it might take you a while to get to the income level you want, but you do not have to slave away at this thing. If you're slaving away, you're doing it wrong. You're probably doing a lot of things that don't matter and not doing enough of the things that do matter. And so that's what I love about his book is there's a whole section called Elimination and it's it's gold. That's worth the, the price of admission in and of itself because he gives you some tools and challenges some assumptions on how to manage time and what is important, what is valuable. How can you get more done in less time? It's very practical. It's I mean, the questions he gives you to ask yourself and reflect on are very practical. It's it's super helpful. And so that is is important. But then again, it's a means to an end. Working less so that you can then go live the life you feel you're called to live. Serve the people you want to serve, namely your family and your community, uh, and then do the things that bring you a lot of joy. And so work isn't inherently bad. I don't believe that. I actually enjoy my work, but I don't want to do it all day long because I have other loves. I love my work, but I also love my family. I love watching movies. I love playing video games. I love exercising. I love being outside. I love uh, reading books. Sometimes I love sitting and doing nothing, right? I love going to the beach. Like I want to have time to do these things. I love traveling. Uh, I love connecting with people. I love interesting conversation. Um, that's the reason why I have a passive income business. That's the reason why I teach this stuff. I think this book is more relevant than ever if, if for no, no other reason than people are working more than ever before for all the wrong reasons and they're stressed out of their minds. Mental health is a real issue. And a lot of it has to do with our work culture. It's super toxic. It's, it, it, it's all about just beating your chest on how many hours you can work or how much money you make or what accolades you can achieve. Online business owners, we apply it to ourselves. We beat ourselves up about, well, how many video views I can get, how many downloads I can get on my podcast, how big my email list is, how big of a launch I had. None of this freaking matters. None of it matters. What matters is, are you hitting your desired income goals to live the life you want to live? And are you doing it in a reasonable amount of time? You get to decide what that is. You don't have to want to work four hours a week. That's not the point of Tim's book. The point is, define what you actually want in life. Eliminate the, the stuff that's getting in the way, including going on a low-information diet and not consuming all this pointless stuff that, again, it's even more relevant than ever. Automating your business and your work so that you can go live more and do the things you really, really enjoy. And hey, if your work is also something you enjoy, then that's a win-win. You win all the way around. The four-hour work week is a brilliant masterpiece. I think a lot of it was just you know, written from a young man in, who just wanted to be bold and say some bold things, but it was written out of his experience. And I think it just was one of those moments where just magic happened. And I think if you pull apart the stuff in the book, it's gold. It's gold and it's more relevant today than ever. 
before. So I highly recommend you read it at least once and skip the parts you don't like or ignore the jokes that he makes that you don't like or ignore the references to blackberries. But the point is, he's onto something. And if it were written today, the book would serve a ton of people because I think we are worse off as a culture today in 2021 than we were in 2006 when he was writing this and 2007 when the book was published. I think we're more jacked up. I think we're wasting more time than ever before. I think we have more information that we're consuming than ever before. And we're more whacked out on what we're defining as valuable in our lives than ever before. Uh, and the world is more turbulent than ever before. And so we're more in need of this material than ever before. The time, life is too short to just waste your time away chasing money or chasing fame or accolades. Define what you really want. Eliminate the stuff that's getting in the way. Have an efficient automated business so that you can live life on your terms and love people well, serve people well, be available. That's important. So if you haven't read it, read it. If you have read it, leave me a comment below if you're watching on YouTube. Let me know what your biggest takeaway from the four-hour work week has been. I'd love to know. Everyone has a different takeaway. And if you want to start your journey on passive income, read his book. It'd be great. But take my free passive income workshop. It's going to give you a very practical business model that you can rinse and repeat. It's what I've been using for 12 years now for both of my businesses. I'm going to walk you through everything you need to know to kick off your passive income business and start your way to $1,000 a month minimum of passive income, even if you only have 30 minutes a day. And if you apply some of the stuff that Tim teaches, you'll have more than 30 minutes a day to work on your online business. But it's a great workshop. It's free. It's actionable. I think you'll get a lot out of it. Just go to grahamcochran.com slash workshop or click the link below if you're watching on YouTube. Hey, thanks for hanging out today. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Hope you're staying healthy and safe. And I'll see you on another episode soon.